welcome to this podcast, My Positive Birth, a little corner of the internet where I will be collecting positive stories from women birthing their babies across the UK. My name is Lisa. I'm a doula in southwest London. I have three children and two positive birth stories. I truly believe that we can all learn so much by listening to the positive stories of women and families who have gone before us. What their birth experience was like, what they did, how they felt, how they feel now a few months or even years later. So come and surround yourself with positive birth stories told in women's own words. And I hope you'll find a village here to calm you, but also to inspire you and give you confidence in birth. All women and babies deserve a positive birth experience. So let's get cracking on today's episode. Hi everyone and welcome back to my podcast, My Positive Birth. Sorry, there's been a much longer break than I was planning, um, but as often is the case, um, life has got in, got in the way. But I'm really excited to be joined by my good friend and dealer colleague, um, Rebecca, today. Hi, Rebecca. Hello. Um, and I know a little bit of her story that she's going to tell us today, but not all of it by, by any means. So I'm really looking forward to hearing it. Um, Rebecca, as always, um, do you mind just telling us a little bit about um, who you are and your family and what you do with your days? <laughs> of course. So obviously, I'm Rebecca. <laughs> and Lisa and I are both doulas. So we have worked closely together over the last year or so. And I also live in London. I have five children who vary in age from 18 all the way down to eight. Um, one girl and four boys. <laughs> My daughter's just gone off to university, which is all sorts of feelings, as you can imagine. And I am settling into a household full of boys. <laughs> so I actually, you know, as you can imagine, had very, very different births. Um, some of them very quick, some of them a little bit longer, but all of them very memorable. But today I was going to talk um, a little bit about my third birth, as that's the one that always feels like the one that I like to tell people around. So yeah, that's what I'm planning to do today. Yeah, perfect. Thank you. Um, and I always like to just give you the floor, really. So tell us tell us what you would like to about that pregnancy and that labour um, and that birth. And then I'll probably ask you some questions uh, when you've finished. But yeah, we'd love to hear your story. Thank you. So yes, so um, my third child was I had three children in the space of four years. <laughs> I didn't wait around. And my third child was very much planned and wanted for. And this pregnancy, um, which disclaimer, I thought very much at the time that it was definitely my last baby. So it gave me a very different mindset right away. I felt like I wanted to experience everything that maybe I hadn't sort of experienced the, the first two times. I wanted to take advantage of all the things that I thought would connect me to my baby and just create lots of memories. So I did weekly belly photos, which at the time, um, so he's actually 14, my, my son. Um, so at the time, you know, 
there was digital photos, but there was not quite the same extent that we have these days. But I did um, weekly belly photos and tried to kind of have it at the same place at the same time and kind of created a little collage for myself, which was quite cute. <laughs> and I um, even had my um, belly casted um, and put it on the wall for a while until it kind of got a bit withered and kind of um, the, the nails sort of started sagging and it came down eventually. But I really, really wanted to just appreciate the beauty of pregnancy and look after myself and be kind to myself. Um, at the time, I was very, very healthy and, you know, I was still relatively young myself. Um, so I sort of took advantage of that and sort of kept pretty active and, you know, I had at the time sort of quite young, um, sort of one and two year old, I think, or potentially getting to two and three year olds. Um, so, you know, that kept me very busy. But I just really took time to kind of connect with my baby. And my little two were both at nursery at this point. So I used to take sort of time to just sit there and like talk to my bump and sort of even sing. And anyone who knows me, I'm not a very good singer. <laughs> But, you know, that that connection with your baby and kind of already building that bond. And, you know, he, he really would respond to me as well. You know, my, my tummy would move in certain ways if I sang badly, probably <laughs> certain songs. And it was just really, really lovely. And it put me in such a positive mindset right from the get go. Um, and any time anyone suggested maybe some information that, that wasn't for me, I was just really kind of in the mindset of, that's that's great and that's lovely that it worked for you but I'm gonna do things my way <laughs> and from quite early on I decided that I wanted a home birth um, and I have experienced what we call sort of back labor I guess um, and it tends to be sort of the babies aren't quite facing the way that they should be but I've had that with every single one of mine even though with my last two I really really tried to kind of turn around and do all the bits and pieces my babies just for some reason seem to like turning <laughs> with their backs towards my back and what that kind of means for me personally is I feel a little bit of that pressure to, you know on my lower back so I was already aware of that and towards the end of the pregnancy I started kind of having a bit of massage and even sort of um trying to find natural ways to sort of boost my um my tolerance I guess of that pressure and pain because I knew that it was just something that my body did so I was expecting it and yes it did come but I just felt so much more prepared for it and didn't feel like I needed to you know take any medication or anything like that I just used um methods that I had already kind of researched and they worked really well um and for myself I kind of knew as well that most likely I would have what I call myself back labor. Um, interestingly, my mother and my grandmother both had it as well. So I'm not sure if there's some sort of personal family connection. Um, but for me, um, it definitely seems to be the case that I birthed my babies in that way. <laughs> so I really, really wanted to be at home this time. And obviously, I had two very young kids still at home. And it just really made sense for me. Um, and I was exploring the idea of having a birth pool, um, but unfortunately, I kind of listened to perhaps not the best advice that told me that I couldn't really have one in a flat or, as some people would call it, in an, an apartment. 
um, because it might fall through the ceiling of the person below me. Oh, they love that. Never happened ever in the world, ever. I know, I know. So, you know, that was obviously disheartening because I really did feel that water would help me. And now knowing what I do as a doula, um, it really, really can be helpful, especially if you do have pressure on your lower back. Um, but I, you know, understandably so, just said, oh, okay, that's fine. That's not for me. Um, I had a few, like I had a relatively healthy pregnancy, but there was a few things where, you know, um, investigation was sort of taken place. Um, so I had quite a lot of amniotic fluid towards the end and they were concerned that the baby might have too much fluid. Um, so I went to have a scan a few weeks later and actually everything was absolutely fine and there was no issues whatsoever. It was potentially the measurements were just a little bit not quite right. Um, when the midwife, cause it was a, a palpitation. So the midwife was feeling with her hands and, and felt like there was quite a lot of fluid around the baby, but it turns out that wasn't the case, but that did, you know, slightly unnerve me cause I thought, oh no, you know, my home birth is, is come not gonna happen um but luckily that was all fine and i'm gonna actually tell you quite an interesting spin on my story which actually ended up being the best decision i ever made and you know resulted in actually not having a home birth but having the most amazing birth anyway so i i went into labor on my due date <laughs> which Aww. very rarely happens <laughs> well anomaly i know i know and my first two babies were born at 38 weeks so i was like from 38 weeks onwards i was like where is this baby and you know very common for us to do but as we know you know babies will come when they're ready <laughs> and on my due date i was so sure that this little boy was not going to come that i asked my husband to still go to work and everything was absolutely fine and um, about an hour before I was due to do the nursery pickup, <laughs> my, um, my, I started having some, some tightenings and I was like, ah, <laughs> here we are. <laughs> so I kind of, you know, was very prepared and had a lot of trust in my body. So I kind of did let my husband know. I rang him and sort of said, hey, you know, I think things might be happening, to which he had a mad panic. <laughs> um, but I was just very calm and said, you know, no rush at all. Absolutely fine. You know, just get here when you can. And I called my mother, who was going to be looking after the two two babies or toddlers, I guess. And she also had a mad panic. <laughs> but I was just so, so calm. I was just really trusting in my body and its ability and I knew from my last birth that I could do this, you know, and everything was going to just work out. So I ended up walking and getting my kids from the nursery whilst sort of having these tightenings and they actually quite rapidly came on, but I felt very much in control and absolutely fine to carry on with the plan to sort of drop them to my mother. Um, my mother actually lives sort of a 10 minute walk from my old flat. We, we've moved now, but my old flat. So it didn't make sense at all to really kind of try and sort of drive around or get a taxi or anything like that. So I actually, you know, I called my husband and I was like, oh, I think I'll get, go to the chip shop and get them some fish and chips for dinner. <laughs> that's how, that's how chilled I was. And I took them to our local fish and chip shop and 
I sort of was just swaying side to side and just pretty, you know, okay with the whole thing. But the poor lady behind the counter <laughs> clearly saw what was happening and said, you okay there? And I said, yeah, I'm fine. I'm just in labor. Oh my goodness, her face. <laughs> she went wide eyed and sort of quickly throwing chips everywhere, trying to get them in the bag. She gave you um, free chips. Uh, no, she didn't. Oh. It's a shame. <laughs> she did kind of give me the, the quickest serving of fish and chips I think I've ever had. <laughs> and I really take from this the fact that, you know, the, the presence of a laboring person, you know, kind of was just so frightening, which was. At the time, I didn't even think about it, but, you know, the, uh, the environment around me potentially obviously were, could have had the potential to be quite stressful, but I just was in a zone and I just didn't find it stressful at all. And I was just absolutely confident that it didn't really matter if everyone else around me was sort of running around panicking. It was all about me and this baby. So I got my fish and chips <laughs> and walked the kids around and the sort of walk was doing wonders for progressing things for me and I dropped them off to my mother and the plan was to sort of go back home and get everything set up but then I started to feel pressure a little bit sooner than I thought I was going to and kind of a little bit more intensity and just out of nowhere I made the snap decision I don't want to go home I want a pool <laughs> Um, and my husband at the time kind of looked at me and said, I don't think we're allowed to do that. <laughs> you know, we, we, we've, we've told them you're going to have the baby at home, so you have to. And I was like, yeah, I see what you're saying, but just not going <laughs> to. So I gave him the task of calling our community midwife, and luckily we had her mobile number. And um, he called her, and she wasn't best pleased, unfortunately. She said, oh but all of the gas and air and everything's there. And, you know, and again, I was just like, yeah, I can pick it up in a few days. <laughs> I just a sort of, I knew, you know, my body was telling me, my, my mind was telling me, look, this is what you want. It'll all just work out. So we grabbed a taxi and we headed straight to the birthing center. And luckily I had sort of had, when I'd done my birth preferences, I had my, my first preference and then I had already done a preference for um, birth centre. And for anybody who's not quite sure of the difference, it's pretty good to research sort of birth birth centre, labour war. There's, there's lots of different places that you can have your baby. Um, but the birth centre aims to be a little bit more sort of um, holistic, I guess, and potentially trying to make it a bit more homely so you might find that the environment suits you a little bit better with sort of lighting and the access to sort of birth pools and things like that and I knew that if I didn't have a home birth my my second preference was definitely to have water make use of water um, and I did have unfortunately people around me who did not think that was a good idea um, there was a lot of misunderstanding I think about birth pools I mean you know, it was 14 years ago and things have actually progressed a lot since then. But the hospital I gave birth in, the actual birth centre had literally opened two weeks previous to oh, me. Wow. Yeah. So I was one of the first to actually give birth in that room. Um, so 
lucky me, it was all brands thanking you and everybody was all excited and there was a lot of positive energy in the room. Um, so I got there and um, was greeted by really lovely midwives who were absolutely fine <laughs> with the change of plan. And we sat and had a little chat about things and kind of talked through what I might and might not like. And I was brought into the, the, the brand new birth suite. And it was just so amazing. Like as soon as I got in the room, I was just absolutely relaxed and the lighting was dimmed and there was um, just some very gentle sort of lighting kind of flickering in the background. And they asked if I wanted any music playing. And I said, oh, I hadn't really thought of that. <laughs> so they put the radio on. <laughs> and I will tell you a funny story about that later on. <laughs> but they put the radio on and they just normalized everything. And it was amazing. They literally, you know, were like, so how are you, you know, and just having conversations and didn't pressurize me to have, you know, an examination straight away. I did want one because I wasn't really sure where I was at. Um, and with my first birth, especially, I kind of went into um, a hospital and was very disappointed to hear that I was one centimetre. So again, feeling so much more positive, I was like, it doesn't really matter how far I am, but it just gives me some sort of information. I didn't even know really what I would do with that information, but it just gave me something. So they checked me. And by this point, I think it had been, I want to say maybe two hours since I actually started my contractions. Um, so, you know, not very long at all, but it was third baby. And they, I, I believe they said I was around four, but they could potentially push it to a five and um, so I was incredibly happy with that as you can imagine um, because I just still felt so relaxed and so calm and so they asked me if I wanted to get in the pool and I said that I would probably prefer to just wait a little bit longer so we put the radio on and I got on the ball and sort of just gently sort of swayed side to side and was just having a laugh with the midwives and just joking around and all sorts of things and it just didn't really almost didn't even feel like I was in labor um so you know time for me at that point kind of just blurred and before I knew it sort of a couple more hours had passed and I started to feel things were intensifying so I got into the pool and um wow, it was just such an amazing experience. It was literally all the things I thought it was going to be. That pressure on my back just vanished. And I just was literally floating around and it felt like I was on a cloud or something. It was just like, ah. <laughs> um, and, you know, my husband could see from my face. He was like, oh, I guess that's good then. Oh, and I should also probably point out that at this point as well, I hadn't touched any pain relief at all, not no gas and air or anything. And just for comparison, with my first birth, I had an epidural, and with my second birth, I was planning to have an epidural because I thought that's what was needed. But he was born in two hours, <laughs> so I didn't really get the chance to. But you know, looking back on it, and when I did a bit more research into my choices, 
I was sort of like, I don't need an epidural. Like, that's not a thing you have to do. You know, I was definitely not against epidurals. I, I found it, you know, really, really sort of um, useful with my first birth. But I just realized that there's choices and you can kind of pick what you want and you can also change your mind. And that's absolutely fine, too. So I was kind of really, really proud of myself. You know, I'd gone sort of three and a half, sort of four hours probably by this point with not even a consideration of um, needing any pain relief. And looking back on it now, you know, I was instinctively, you know, changing to more comfortable positions. I was sort of swinging my hips side to side. I was just free movement whatever was needed I was just going with my body and just listening to what it was telling me so so yes yeah, so I got into the pool and as I say it was really really quite the experience and the radio came on and at the time there was um a song by Lily Allen I don't know if anyone even remembers Lily Allen and <laughs> um, I can't even really to be honest remember which song it was but there was a song out by Lily Allen and I just remember being so euphoric that I actually stood up in the pool and just started dancing <laughs> and anyone who knows me well knows that I'm not a dancer um, and I don't tend to do things in front of people I'm quite shy actually believe it or not um, but it was just pure bliss, you know, pure happiness and just almost just celebrating and just being amazed and just happy. And the environment just made such a big difference to me. You know, I, I had two previous births with, you know, bright lights, all the stress, and this was just something else, you know? So, <clears throat> um, I was dancing around and even trying to remember the words and having a little sing song. Um, and that went on for a little while. A few times during the labour, the midwife actually said to me that my bag of waters were bulging and if I wanted to, she could break them for me. But I declined it because I just felt like that would take away some of the element of the, the natural birth that I was hoping for. And after the baby was born, she said to me, oh, if I'd have broken your waters, he would have been here within half an hour. And I actually remember thinking to myself, I'm kind of glad that didn't happen because... He came when he was meant to. And then I felt, again, the pressure change. And it felt like things were shifting and that the baby was actually shifting into a better position for me. It was almost like I was feeling him twist and turn around, you know, to get himself into that much better place. And I just was instinctively just sat back down in the pool and the warmth hit me again and it was lovely. And out of nowhere, I suddenly had a feeling of overwhelm that's that's I guess all I could describe it as and a surge of sort of I guess intensity and I heard myself suddenly say I can't do this I really can't do this and my husband sort of looked up at me confused because he was like well you, you, you are doing this you're like you're like you know rocking this you're amazing and I went no 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 this is too much you know this is too much I want an epidural <laughs> And I think no one was more shocked than him. Um, and we were actually alone in the room at this point because I think the midwife had kind of seen how happy I was and kind of, you know, swaying around and probably assumed that we were quite a way away by this point because she'd said that 
after my first examination they were going to be sort of every four hours and we hadn't quite reached that yet so um we had no context you know we were just sort of going with the flow and so she was out of the room um and yeah my husband was like what what what, what? <laughs> i said i need an epidural now you, you need to go and get the midwife because i need an epidural right now and he was like but you said you wanted a natural birth <laughs> i was not impressed let's just say with that <laughs> and i kind of remember grabbing him by his shirt <laughs> and saying get me that midwife right now <laughs> and so he left and I said please please hurry up you know I, I really can't do this anymore and he must have been gone for less than a minute and he came back in with the midwife sort of rushing behind him and I said I need to push <laughs> and so knowing what I know now you know I, I'm, I'm laughing at it because I know it's a clear-cut case of transition and my body kind of just feeling a little bit of a surge of adrenaline and giving me that power I needed to push my baby out but for some of us it can feel quite too much too soon and you start to doubt yourself and think oh, maybe I can't do this and you know if anyone feels themselves kind of doing that towards the end then that's most likely the reason for it um, but the look of relief on everybody's face <laughs> when I said I needed to push. Um, and the midwife was, you know, very lovely and said, yep, this is absolutely, you know, what it should be like. But she said, however, um, it's actually almost time for your next examination. And I just really feel like we probably need to check you to see what's happening. And I was like, what? No you know, I, I really want to give birth in the pool. And she was like, you can, you can absolutely. But if we just kind of get you just over there onto the bed, we'll just do a quick check, make sure you're ready to push. And then um, you can get back in that pool. And this is the only part of my story where I kind of, if I could have done it better, you know, hindsight, I would have just said, no, no, I'm absolutely fine here. But I, I complied, you know, and I got out of the pool, which was not an easy thing to do when you're feeling that way. And I um, stood up and knew within a few seconds that baby was not going to wait for me to go over to the other side of the room and um, be examined. So I said, oh, this baby's coming now. And she, she did say, do, do you want to get back in the pool? And I said, I don't think I'm going to be able to. So I literally got down on the floor and got down on my hands and knees and literally seconds later he, he was out, he was born um, very quick and he was born with his hand pressed up against his cheek um, which was an interesting experience <laughs> um, and yeah I was, I was still really really happy because I was able to actually bring him up from under and sort of bring him up in and carry him up to my chest so I kind of I was I was guided a little bit by the midwife but I kind of did it myself and you don't realize how slippy those babies are <laughs> um but yeah so you know in hindsight obviously it would have been lovely to give birth in the pool but I'm still I still feel very positive about it because I did it. I listened to my body. I was in a really good position to to have him, and I was able to be in control of that part. And it was pure fetal ejection reflex, and he just came out. There was no bearing down, or you know, no guidance needed or anything. It's just 
there he was and it was very lovely um but he, unfortunately his cord was a little bit too short for I wanted to kind of get myself into a better position um but we had to kind of wriggle around and find something that worked for me to kind of um get that position and I had no um no tears or, or grazes or anything it was just pure body taking over um which was really really lovely because my previous two births had been on my back and very much guided and you know push 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 and all of this um so just having the experience of my body just absolutely doing what it wanted to do and you know at the time I was you know disappointed that I didn't get to birth in the pool but I still got the birth that I planned you know and I guess looking back the pool was still a hundred percent what I needed you know it gave me that that relief from the back pressure that I was having and it gave me that euphoria and so I still very very much feel like it was an amazing experience and feel like um you know it, it couldn't have gone better for me to be honest I I don't really have any regrets about um you know listening because I didn't have any other information to go by so I you know I did the best with the information I had and and I birthed the placenta with no oxytocin injection um which I had had with my previous births um and that just felt another step in the ability of my body to do its own thing amazing because he latched straight onto the breast and I just sobbed <laughs> sobbed tears of joy um yeah thank you it's um I guess listening to you I think you touched on it yourself but I'm really struck kind of the power of telling these stories both um you know just to try and correct the narrative a bit that that birth can't be straightforward and that women's bodies are not just capable of birthing exactly as you said um, but also to raise these kind of awareness levels um because um yeah as we were chatting before we did the podcast weren't we that this is about positive birth it's not about perfect birth um and there is obviously no such thing as a perfect birth but um obviously looking back now both with the not being able to have the pool in the flat and with kind of being asked to get out the pool um right at that point when you knew you know everything about you knew that your baby was coming um obviously that's another real motivation of this podcast is just to raise those awareness levels of, of the choices that we have um and just to try and increase that sense that that we are the ones completely in control of of the birth process because it's yeah it's not what the system um presents to us at all and um I think I would feel exactly like you that I wouldn't have any regrets because um yeah you had you had an amazing work birth but I know that both me and you are very motivated that people do have more information than us um and that's that's why we do what we do and you know why we like to tell our tell our stories too so it's really interesting to just pick out those couple um points um that yeah that could that, that you know you actually deserved um to be supported better than you at those at those two points um yeah I totally agree Lisa um I think sometimes we do feel like we have to comply completely to things and we do always have a choice and we talk a lot about the brain tool when we do our antenatal education and sort of weighing up for yourself those benefits and risks of any given thing that you are asked or requested 
And it might be that you are absolutely fine with that and it's something that you have no issue towards. But if it doesn't feel right or if it makes you uncomfortable, then you are absolutely within your power to ask questions, to get more information, you know, to ask what the alternative is um, and what happens if you don't want to do this. And, you know, I heard an amazing quote that we can only truly make an informed decision if we have all of the information. And I think that that is so true. And I think especially when we are having our babies, we are quite vulnerable. And often we we question our ability or our body's ability, you know, to do to do things. And it can then mean that we are more accepting of things that might not feel right for us and you made a a really good point you know that actually I I kind of did know that my body was ready and I, I wanted to have that baby in the pool but because I wasn't maybe given as much information as I could have been you know about why I needed to be examined right at that second I assumed that there may be some medical reason and that it had to be done so I I got out and obviously never ended up having that examination anyway so it was a bit of a mute point but I think you know that that sort of benefits risk kind of thing it, it can go with so many different things in your life so I think it is a really really useful tool and I absolutely adore it. Yeah, definitely I think the other thing that I often think is you know 14 years ago like we didn't have Instagram and we didn't have podcast to be maybe I'm very slow to everything so perhaps we did have those things but certainly not as widespread as they are now um and just for you and your birth partner actually to be really informed about the power basically of saying of saying no if you if you want to and that whole thing about the you know the birth ball in the flat like you know now really anything that you're told that doesn't sit quite right with you or that's um stopping you from from doing what you want to do like it really isn't difficult to seek out some really good quality information on that and it's amazing the difference isn't it like 14 years ago that just wasn't wasn't at our fingertips so i think that's a real a real blessing now and um yeah certainly i know i'll put mine and rebecca's details in the show notes i know you know we absolutely love pointing people in the right direction of information so um if anyone listening has been told something in antenatally and it and it does feel like a a block to um your birth plans then do just get in touch with us because we um yeah we love unpicking that kind of thing don't we definitely definitely and you know the key thing is evidence-based information and if we provide you with those tools for, you know, research and really kind of, um, you know, intelligent information, not just sort of a random, <laughs> random Instagram person who's kind of said something, it then gives you that power to sort of, you know, do your own research and look into it and just see what sits right for you. And you may absolutely 100% agree with what's been said to you. And that's absolutely great. You know, we're definitely not saying don't agree to anything, you know, say no. (laughs) But it's like Lisa said, it's just those things that make you uncomfortable or make you doubt, you know, anything really, because we definitely do need to be happy with the decisions that we make. And even if they are decisions that maybe change the, the, the course of our birth, if you feel happy with it, then you're gonna feel much more like you have a positive birth story to tell. And I often say this to my own clients, you know, it doesn't actually matter to me 
what birth you want. You know, I've supported so many births from, you know, cesareans, inductions, you know, um, completely natural, etc. It's not actually about that. It's about how you feel and how you feel you were spoken to and how you were respected and that you feel like you were making the choices that were best for you and your baby. Um, yeah, we're not going to talk about your other births but I think it's fair to say isn't it that you have experienced the flip side of that certainly in terms of communication um and so I guess you really are living proof that 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 the way that we're spoken to you make makes a huge difference Mm -hmm, definitely and it's something you will always remember as well so it's um important that you feel that it was done right (laughs) yeah that's I mean I love like yeah 14 years ago but actually you remember it like you remember it all, don't you? And you, we don't forget these experiences, which is why it's so important that we kind of put put, put what we can into into ensuring that they are positive ones for us. Because yeah, they, they stay with us whether they were or not. Um, but yeah, it's so it's lovely. It's so fresh in your mind. Um, I think the only other thing I just was wanted to say on on your birth story is I was reading the other day about um, breathing. You know, they, people talk about breathing your baby out, and it's kind of pictured as like a very sort of zen like that's kind of how I, even I pictured it until I read this um this post and it was saying that if you experience the fetal ejection reflex then you are obviously breathing your baby out as in you're not pushing or contributing in any way um but yeah I don't know about you but for me that certainly wasn't the sort of zen picture that I have in my mind definitely and I think I wasn't even aware of what was happening, you know. I, I knew that something was changing, um, but I I could kind of almost feel, you know, my body opening up. But I didn't realise that it was quite as advanced as it was because it just, yeah, it just happened so naturally, as you can imagine, and it was just part of the experience. It wasn't, um, it didn't feel out of the ordinary or anything. It just kind of merged into the whole birth itself. So it was very quick <laughs> um, and my body obviously knew what it was doing despite being coached to push the first two times <laughs> um i just going to be very cheeky because um i because i know you well and i also know that um you have very interesting feeding journeys um and did you say at the beginning that you're a lactation consultant i don't think i did actually <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, you obviously also got a huge amount of experience um, now with breastfeeding and supporting mums with breastfeeding. Um, so perhaps again, because we we're wanting to focus on the positive, and you know that you had you had a lot of different journeys. But yeah, can you just tell us a little bit about your most positive feeding journey and kind of what elements made it made it positive? Yeah, I mean, I can actually follow on from from this birth, you know. Um, and I've said earlier that. I had already set myself up mentally for this this journey and just trusted in my body. Um, my first two children were actually exclusively formula fed. Um, disclaimer that I had my first child at 20 years old, so I was <laughs> rather on the young side. Um, and unfortunately, I wasn't actually really given any education around sort of feeding. So I just kind of went with what I thought was the thing to do. And um, I went and formula fed, which absolutely fine (laughs) there's nothing wrong with that but I really really wanted to try to breastfeed with my third child and I actually went to a breastfeeding workshop where I was given lots more information so obviously I was then able to make an informed decision (laughs) and honestly the way that the birth was and the way that it was so empowering as I say you know 
the baby just came straight onto my chest and we were just able to kind of kickstart that that journey and wow that was just something else you know because I always had the doubts in my mind that I wouldn't be able to do it or you know it just wasn't for me and gosh yes it was you know and I was absolutely able to do this and I did have again you know some environmental kind of family things that kind of tried to sway me from um from doing it but I was um very confident that I wanted to wasn't always easy at times as you can imagine with three under four years old um but I made it work and I'm I'm proud to say that you know I kept up sort of feeding him for kind of nine months which for me was a massive achievement um considering I hadn't even you know had a thought about doing that with my first two and I think that that feeding journey you know then gave me that power to kind of go on and feed my other children as well so I would say it was a very very pivotal moment for me to really really trust in my body and trust my body to birth and then also that it could feed my baby as well yeah amazing and go on just whilst you're here tell us tell us a bit because it like you say it's very much not a coincidence that that the most positive birth story led on to the most positive kind of feeding journey um so just tell us a little bit about what what happens in those kind of early interactions between mum and baby and what yeah what happened with you and and your baby so you've got the baby's born and on your chest that's kind of where you where you left it yeah just tell us a little bit about how how the physiology of it all it all works of course of course so if left undisturbed and you know you probably hear of it called the golden hour um you know that rush of hormones um that oxytocin from the birth you know it really kind of kicks over into um creating this this bonding experience with your child and the baby is also pre-wired you know sort of hardwired to want to be close to you and want to feed and so often if a baby is completely left undisturbed at the breast they will do something called the breast crawl which is where they start to sort of literally crawl towards the breast themselves and you can probably find some videos online about it. It's, it's really amazing to watch, actually. And there's sometimes that kind of pressure to sort of get the baby to feed immediately or to sort of shove the baby on almost. But that doesn't need to happen. You know, you can absolutely protect your sort of golden hour, that, that first hour after birth and just smell your baby because that will release those lovely hormones as well. And your, um, your actual... Um, around your breast the areola secretes a fluid which actually smells like the amniotic fluid in the womb so everything is perfectly designed including the nipples darkening so that the baby has a homing beacon (laughs) to kind of know where to go everything is absolutely perfectly designed for feeding to to just happen and it, you know your baby doesn't need to be shoved on or, or or forced um they often just need time you know and undisturbed time together to get that bonding experience you know they're they're coming out of this beautiful calm environment and sometimes into quite a busy bright and loud place and so being able to just hold them close and let them feel your heartbeat and hear your voice you know that's that's home that's where they feel safe and that is a really really good way of initiating that early breastfeeding yeah amazing thank you and had either of your first two children had they latched at the breast at all 
No, not so at that all. Was first, that was the yeah. first experience for you. So your third, third time mum. Yeah. But, um, first yeah. time. And, and did you experience that kind of very instinctive, um, like the baby really taking the lead in latching on? Yeah, definitely. Um, unfortunately, we weren't given quite the um, undisturbed time that maybe we deserved. Um, there was a lot of sort of taking him away and weighing him and that sort of thing. But quite quickly afterwards, um, we were then left alone to be able to have our cuddles and everything. And he started to sort of root around and look around. And I did have a slight panic of, what do I do? But I didn't actually have to worry because he just latched on himself. And I was like, oh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> and, you know, it can be a bit of a strange experience the first time because it's not something you have ever sort of known but it's 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 wonderful you know and again we're talking about not perfect but positive so if you feel like things maybe aren't quite how they should be or you know you're experiencing any pain or anything like that then absolutely reach out to somebody whether it's you know your midwife or some other healthcare professional or you know your local breastfeeding support because it's really important that you and your baby are happy and comfortable and you know, the breastfeeding can feel strange and it can feel kind of like a strong pulling and tugging, but it shouldn't hurt. It shouldn't feel painful. Yeah. And um, that golden hour is so important, isn't it? Whatever kind of birth um, you have. So as I say, like, it's really not a coincidence that you had a physiological birth and then, you know, it just makes everything much, much easier and smoother because the hormones are all, all there raring to go, aren't they? But it doesn't mean that if you don't have that kind of birth, that you can't um I, I listened to a lady called Sarah Buckley and she sort of talks about filling the oxytocin gap so if you had a birth where your perhaps your natural oxytocin levels weren't boosted as much as they could have been actually that skin to skin and that golden hour or hours like it can be hours can't it um mm-hmm. and breastfeeding are all really important ways to, to to fill that oxytocin gap um so yeah that way you just describe it applies to everyone doesn't it, it doesn't matter what kind of birth you've had 100% 100% and you know I mentioned earlier about those birth preferences and kind of maybe even thinking about, you know, having preference A, preference B, preference C even, and just, like you said, you know, filling in those gaps and thinking, right, can I, where can I get this? Where can, can I still do the skin to skin? Because most of the time, you know, you you are absolutely able to still have those cuddles. You know, I've supported cesareans, as I'm sure you have, Lisa, where the baby comes straight to the chest and we're able to have that first feed in the, you know, in the theatre. Um, and so it's absolutely possible, regardless of whatever type of birth you have, to be able to to, to get that going. Yeah, no, thank you. But it is obviously for for women who would like to have a physiological birth, um, then it, yeah, it does all kind of um, help its lot into place, doesn't it? And that's obviously that's why we're passionate about getting out the information out there to try and try and facilitate people in their in their choices in that. Um, well, Rebecca, thank you so much. Um, I always ask everyone at the end for just their kind of final words of wisdom to pass down either to pregnant mums listening or their birth supporters what's kind of your top tip for someone who might be um, waiting to have their baby now listening to this podcast yeah definitely I think you know my my top tip really is to know how amazing you are and remember how amazing you are because sometimes we do question ourselves and we doubt ourselves but if you remember that your body is absolutely designed for this and absolutely able to do this and yeah it's that mindset and it's just 
you know, absolutely fine if you have moments of doubt, but just reaffirming and just remembering that you are amazing. Yeah, thank you so much. And surrounding yourself by people who are going to remind you of that as well. Um, because um, what every every person giving birth deserves that, don't they? Definitely. Oh, thank you so much. And uh, we'll stop recording now. And now we'll probably talk for another three hours about because <laughs> we, we never stop, do we? But yeah, I'm really excited and grateful that you came on the podcast today. So thank you, Rebecca. Thank you. Bye-bye. This podcast does not present itself as medical advice and neither should it be taken as such. The views represented here are personal to the women telling their stories. Sorry for this slightly patronising disclaimer, but such is the world we live in today. Always seek out the information you need before making your own decisions. <laughs>